0: It's good to be together with you this morning. I've never been a part of a church where uh, people, you, tell me I love you. I mean, I I've been in a lot of churches and I just say I love you to my family, so it's kind of it gets kind of weird for me. But it's good, it's good, <laughs> it's good that you say that. So I I just want you to know I love you too. So <laughs> this is good. We can we can do that. And you, yeah. So it doesn't have to be weird it can be good it's a good thing that we can share this uh, love with one another in our church uh, brothers and sisters in Christ I love you (laughs) this morning I want to talk about this concept of a window of opportunity and I believe that this morning is a window of opportunity for you to call out and cry out to God in your perhaps desperation or whatever is going on in your life and you may think well you know I can always call and cry out to God anytime I want, which is true, but today I think it's going to be a special opportunity for that because some of you have been missing those opportunities, leaving them out and not bringing what you need to bring before the Lord, whether it's confession or a need, desperation, whatever it is, and it's interesting, I preached this sermon on Thursday to a handful, we were recording the service for today in there service Ice, and I was Right in the middle I and mean, no joke of crying out to God for a desperate situation in my life. And as I was preaching and I was just trying to urge you to do the same, but I, I mean, God just works above and beyond. He actually like responded, answered in what, because I, I was talking to Levan later that, that day. I said, Levan, you ever have a time in your life where you don't even know how to pray? You know, you should be praying, and you want to pray, and you are praying, but you're not even quite sure what in the world you should pray about. And he's like, yes, all the time. Anybody else like that? And so that was one of those situations, like, I don't know what to do. I was just crying out, and I had this window of opportunity and desperation, and God answered and came through in a way I didn't even expect. And so I'm, I'm hoping for that for you today as well is that we would take advantage of this time we have the access before God. And in order to do that, we're going to look at three snapshots of three people who cried out to God in their desperation. And I want you to see it this morning as we go to Luke 5. We're in Luke chapter 5 this morning. We have the calling of the first disciples. We have a cleansing of a leper and the healing of a paralytic. A calling, a cleansing. And a healing, and each had this window of opportunity to, to, to come before Jesus, and Jesus responded. So let's, let's look at this. Start first with the calling. We're in Luke chapter 5, starting verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Jesus is teaching the crowds by the lake, and they're pressing in. The fishermen are just minding their own business and cleaning their nets. Jesus gets into one of the boats, and he asks Peter to put a little bit out from the distance as he continued to teach the people. These are fishermen. Right place, right time, or maybe wrong place, wrong time, depending how they viewed it. Depending how, maybe, you ever think about that? Jesus may be coming after you, trying to get your attention, and you have an opportunity to come to him. And in your mind, it's either going to be right place at the right time, or if you're in some life of secret sin or some sin you don't want to deal with, or it may be wrong place at wrong time, according to you. These are fishermen. Fishermen are going to be probably a good, notorious sinners, perhaps not Godfathers. Perhaps they are, perhaps they're not. So right place, right time, wrong place, wrong time, I don't know. Let's see. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Jesus is a carpenter telling a fisherman what to do it would like be me as a pastor telling my mechanic what to do i, I have uh, had a very old volvo and i had a guy in our church uh, dane he come over and i said can you check out this volvo and he comes over and what if he while he was looking at the volvo i'm like hey you be sure you check out that whatchamacallit be sure you fiddle around with that thing over there. What if it, I started as a pastor giving Dane instructions on to do what he knows what to do? That's what it's like here. Jesus is the carpenter telling the fisherman what to do. And Simon's like, well, let's, let's just see what happens. And so he does, he obliges. Verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. They caught so many fish that they filled both boats and started to sink. And you may wonder, well, well how did that happen? <laughs> Jesus is Lord over the fish Jesus is Lord over the lake. Fish, get in there. Get in there. Supernatural miracles happening. Peter realizes it. And he doesn't say, Jesus, you know, you, you and me, we can cash in. We should go in business together. Look what Peter does. Look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw that, He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter realizes that this is not a coincidence, but a miracle of God. And in the presence of God, he realizes he's a sinful man. And he's like, get away from me. You ever wondered why churches in America are not packed? Because people and their sin don't want to be anywhere near the presence of God. And they're like, get away from me. I am a sinful man. I should have nothing to do with you or you with me. This is what I was like when God invaded my life at 19. And I would say i very, I mean, I wonder if Peter and I were very similar in lifestyle. I was living a life of sexual morality and Peter The guys he ran with, perhaps he was into some of that. I was living a life of greed. I'm sure Peter had some taste of that as well. And I was also a mouth, I cussed so much. And I'm sure Peter cussed (laughs) like a sailor. And I feel you, Peter. And I want to say, Jesus, get away from me. And maybe you felt that way before. You're like, I am so wrapped up in myself and my sin, Jesus, get away from me. And Jesus is like, I pick you. I pick you, Peter. I pick you, Jason. I came to pick people like you, sinners who need saving. I pick you, Peter. And look what he says to him next. Look what he says, verse 9. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So Jesus, he's calming Peter's fears. And to Peter's astonishment, he invites men to come along and catch men. So Peter, James, John were focused on being fish catchers. Now they will be men catchers. The response of the three is they left everything and followed him. Their priorities have shifted from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Now I want you to get this. I want to really speak to those right now who minister to others. There are some of you in here who are teachers in this church. You lead small groups. You lead men, you women, disciple, you evangelize. I would say most of you are involved in some form of ministry. You've got to understand that you who minister also need to be ministered to by Jesus. Peter wasn't just, okay, now, Peter, I got a calling on your life, and it's totally separate from me forgiving your sins and continuing to sanctify you. Did you understand this, leaders, teachers, elders, staff? Like God is continuing to do a work of healing, restoration, forgiveness in your life as you minister to others. I used to play tennis back in the day. And part of playing tennis is I, on the side, I was uh, doing some, some coaching and private lessons. And I just want to tell you, I am a terrible tennis teacher. I would meet with kids and I hated giving lessons to kids. I would say the same thing over and over again. Move your feet, swing low to high, get the ball out of your mouth. Same stuff over and over again. I hated doing that. And yet, I need to take my own advice. Jason, as you play tennis, move your feet, swing low to high, cram the ball down someone else's mouth. The idea is that as I am coaching and teaching, I need to like pay attention to what I'm coaching and teaching. And so all the leaders and teachers in here understand that Jesus is still doing a work in you as you minister to others. You got that? It's still working on you as you minister to others. Well, let's go on. Let's go on to the next scenario. So Peter took advantage of his window of opportunity. Let's see as we move on to the leopard. Let's look at the cleansing. Verse 12. All right, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, you know these stories, right? Generally, those who had leprosy, they weren't around other people. They had this devastating skin disease. They were physically contagious. They were spiritually contagious because if they touched people, right, it would make people ritually unclean for the temple. And so there's the variety of details concerning leprosy and skin diseases in Leviticus 13, 14, which makes for some exciting reading. You can read that this afternoon if you want. But lepers, they lived far away from the towns. And when they were around people, they they were to cry out, unclean, unclean, right? Because you can't be messing with people. You don't want to give them leprosy and you don't want to make them richly unclean. But this guy's not unclean, unclean. He is directly unclean. Crying out to Jesus. He's got this window of opportunity. He takes it. Look, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Why would Jesus not be willing? Maybe this guy's thinking about the religious leaders of the day who kind of want to keep their separation from those who are lepers because they don't want to get it and they don't want to be ritually unclean. So maybe this guy's thinking maybe Jesus is the same way and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can can make me clean. Look what Jesus says, verse 13. And he stretched out his hand, uh uh-oh, and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him he touched him he didn't say from a distance "Eh, stay away but be healed stay away no he touches the guy and immediately the leprosy left him you know most of the people in this time they recognize that that god heals and God can heal leprosy. And then when the Messiah came, he would also heal and, and he heals leprosy. And, and I want you to notice that Jesus is the Messiah. He's God in the flesh. And he doesn't say, when he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And he doesn't say, God is willing. What did Jesus say? He says, I am willing. Jesus, God in the flesh, be healed. But Jesus is not done with this guy. It continues on. Look at verse 14. He's not done with him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. Huh. So he says, You know what? Not only am I going to heal you, but I'm going to restore you to society. So go, show yourself to the priest, do all these ritual cleansings so you can be healed and restored to society. So we have this guy ostracized. And I was trying to think, you know, is there, I mean, is there people in this category today who are separate, who need mercy from God and they're separate from people? And there, and there can be a lot of people that fall into that category. But in my years of ministering to others, I, I, I often run across those who are just steeped in deep depression And in their deep depression, they want to stay away from other people. And sometimes when other people interact with them, they don't really know what to say to them. So other people avoid them. And so sometimes those who are just steeped in this darkness can feel pretty separate and ostracized. And if if that is you this morning, may you be so desperate that you call out to Jesus. You have Peter and this leper. They're kind of, they got some things in common, right? They're both desperate, both see their needs, and they both take this window of opportunity to call out to Jesus. And there are times in our lives where we have that window, we have stuff we're dealing with, and it's at those moments of the lowest, of the lowest, of the lowest, we can call out to Jesus. And I believe he'll respond in many different ways. Which brings us, to the last story. Look at the last story. The last story is a healing. After Jesus has pulled away for rest, well, that's another time for another healing. Look at verse 17. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. All right, so religious leaders are around. Look out. Verse 18 And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. This is a famous story. Maybe you've seen pictures of this, right? Jesus uh, being in the the house and, and the friends letting down the guy Um, that needs to be healed. The guy can't even get himself in there. He relies on his friends to pull it off. What's Jesus' response? Look at verse 20. You can underline this if you want. This is a good one. Seeing their plural, underline circle, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. That's Interesting. I think, of course, he had faith. His friends had faith. Sometimes you can be so low at the low at the low, like you're like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, kind of one of those moments. And you need some people around you to gather around you to bring you to the presence of the Lord. Something's going on here. Look at verse 21. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the periodic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. So Jesus forgives a man's sin, because that's the core, that's what he really needs. And then he also heals him. And it's interesting. The Pharisees say, Whoa, 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 only only God can forgive sins. Oh, good. Precisely, Jesus is God. Which which brings us to the question: Is it harder? This is a good question. Is it harder to forgive someone's sins or to heal them? Well, I could say to you right now, um, your sins are forgiven based upon whatever, based upon me. But you don't even know that, right? Because only God can forgive sins. But what if somehow I had the power to heal you? But what's harder? Forgiveness of sins. Because only God can forgive sins. Jesus is God. And he's like, oh, let me show you something. Just to show you that I have forgiven sins, be healed. Rise. So you have these, these three scenarios. Did you catch it? There's, there's three men, and they all have been brought low. Did you see that? Peter kneels, right? The, the leper kneels, cries out to God. And the, the paralytic can't do anything, so he's brought low as well. Three men, all brought low in desperation for Jesus. And what 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 does Jesus do? Peter, you with me now. We're going to catch men. And what, the leper? Healed. Restored to society. Paralytic? Get up. Let's go. And I think that each of these guys in their windows of opportunity, I, I mean, they could have walked away, no, except for one of them, of course. <laughs> they could have been gone, said forget it. But they each took full advantage of their desperation matching at just the right time with the power of God. And, and I'd love to see that in your life here this morning, right? Your desperation, power of God coming together. And you're crying out to God. Now, as I was preaching this, this sermon on Thursday, I had this, this, this situation going on, which I don't want to really go into the details because I was in, in deep anguish and I had no idea what was going on. Didn't know what to do. I didn't know what, I was calling to God. I didn't know what, I was praying half the time, you know, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with words too deep, you know what I mean? It was one of those situations. And I kid you not, I have no idea how God was going to answer this. And so I, what happened is this, this guy came along, never met him before in my life, Never talked to him before. Was not in a Christian context where, where this was at. And he came up to me and he, and he started speaking to me. And the things he was saying to me, I knew right away. You ever know those kind of those God moments? This guy is sent from God <laughs> to talk to me right now to encourage me in my lowest of the low. It was amazing. I'm not saying he's an angel or anything. I'm not going to go that far. But, I mean, there was something going on there that God was really responding to my desperate cries. And I, and I want that for you this morning. Now, what we're going to do here in just a moment, um, we're not going to do prayer and healing. We're not going to have you come forward. And I just those of you online, those of you here, have an opportunity to cry out to God, okay? If you want to kneel, we're going to be praying, so no one's going to see you kneel. Feel free to kneel. And if you can't get back up, someone will help you get back up. But if you want to kneel, kneel. Seriously. If you want to stand... Stand up. Want to open your hands? Open your hands. But I I do want to say this. This I, I want to make sure that you hear me. Peter was a sinner. And he said, get away from me. Jesus didn't get away from him. Peter followed Jesus. If you're this morning and you're here and you are a sinner and you know it, Rather than sending Jesus away, you can repent of your sins and put your faith in him right now. And for those of you who claim to be Christians and you are steeped in habitual sin, this is your opportunity today to repent. And you say, well, I'll just do that later. Later may not come. I had a guy that I knew quite well. And when his life was absolutely falling apart because he started repenting. He started repenting, he had married, kids, 10 years just sleeping with prostitutes for 10 years, straight up, in the church, leader, everything. And this all came out. And I'm like, what made you finally repent? And he said, I didn't want to go to hell. And you go, well, that's bad theology. You know, you're a leader in the church. You trust in Jesus. Well, you're not going to hell. You can go ahead and keep doing Who thinks like that anymore? I am scared of the wrath and judgment of God. Who even does that anymore? And I think we should. So if you're there this morning and you're kind of just like, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. It's no big deal. I'm a believer, once saved, always saved. Don't get into all that right now. How about if you are in sin right now, Steve, before the holiness of God, rather than saying, Jesus, get away from me. This will be the morning, wherever you're at, that you repent and turn to him and find forgiveness. And for the rest of you who are struggling, you need healing, (laughs) cry out to God. But I also know that there may be a couple of you in here, you're like, man, I'm at the lowest of the lowest of the low, and your friends in here know that. And so I also want to encourage the friends in here to surround someone. You know who it is. And pray for them during this time. You can be like the friends letting them through the roof. They're, they believe. That they're struggling in their belief, you know, right? Help my unbelief, right? That one of those situations. Surround them and pray for them. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to start praying here. You can pray, kneel, stand, arms open, surround others. And then we're going to go into a song that's all about that as well. All right? So let's just pause now in quietness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are broken desperate people that you see right now. And that man in here or that woman in here who's been running away from you and somehow they ended up here this morning and they're watching online or whatever and you're going after them saying, I pick you. May they repent, turn from their sins, their eyes on you for just life and then follow you right now may you hear their prayers may they just say i just i'm done with this way of living please forgive me and change me and lord you can hear the man and the woman in here several who are just they cannot believe that they have this sickness, this disease that everybody else always had and they never thought they would have it and now they got it and they are just totally broken. Hear their prayers, hear the prayers of their friends, hear the prayers of this church. And Lord, for those who are here who are in darkness, just the clouds won't lift or the anxiety won't go away. May you hear their prayers. May you intervene in their life. And Lord, if there's anyone here that was like me this past, this past week who just had no clue how to pray, or pray, it was just in a desperate situation of anguish and crying out to God, Lord, I hear their prayers and even respond in a supernatural way, even if it looks natural, just a supernatural way. We confess that Jesus is Lord. We confess that Jesus forgives sins. We confess that Jesus is the one who restores and heals. We confess that Jesus is Lord.